let's start. Um, I have things I'm told to do, so um, hello everybody. My name is Kenji Kuriyama, and this class is called How to Make Your First Disciple. <laughs> oh, good joke. All right. I'm starting good. Okay. I need to take a note. That was a good joke. All right. Let's open to Matthew 28. If you open your Bibles, Matthew. Everybody there? Matthew 28. Can someone read 18 through 20? A lovely volunteer. Oh, I have a timid class. Thank you so much. Yes, 19 through, 18 through 20. Thank you so much. What's your name? <coughs> what? Tina. Tina, thank you so much for reading. She read from the ESV, which is what I have, which is a great translation. Um, but what is the commandment here by Jesus? Go therefore and make disciples. And there are two things that you're supposed to do when you make disciples. You baptize them in water. And number two, you teach them what Jesus commanded them to do. When we make disciples, you do two things. You baptize them in water, meaning you commission them. You tell them their identity. Your old self is dead now. You're coming new. And number two, you teach them. Making disciples is about teaching people how to follow Jesus, teaching people what Jesus taught them about. So that's what we're going to learn how to do today, but specifically how to do it for the first time. Let me introduce myself. My name is Kenji Kuriyama. I am from Costa Rica, um, biased, but it's the most beautiful country in the world. Um, this is what I decided to leave behind so I could be here in America, <laughs> where it's supposed to snow today, which is wonderful. Um, I'm also half Japanese. My dad is Japanese, my mom is Costa Rican, so I'm a Japanese Costa Rican officially. There's about 50 of those in the world. And we're in danger of extinction, so to procreate. Um, I went to Louisiana State University, and there was a wonderful group called Chi Alpha, which is an Assemblies of God college ministry, over 300 universities in the, in the nation, 1,500 workers for Chi Alpha. So pray for us. We want to start revival in secular college um, universities in, in America. And I am a product of Chi Alpha. I then grew up in the church. I went to church maybe two years of my life until I was 18, and I was, I was brought up uh, Catholic, you know. So I knew of God, but I never had a re personal relationship with Jesus. And when I came to LSU, there were some people who really loved me, a group of guys that took care of me. They were family for me. But most importantly, they showed me Jesus. And it wasn't just, hey, pray the prayer. It was, 
somehow you got to know Jesus. You got to get to know him and walk with him. And I want to show you what that looks like because I'm walking with Jesus. But they weren't telling me that. They were just doing it, and it was just naturally very attractive to me because these people had joy. These people were not perfect, but they came to God for every situation. I saw Jesus transform these people. I saw the lonely have friends. I saw, you know, the immoral become moral. I witnessed it in my eyes, with, with my eyes, and I saw these people follow Jesus, and I said, that's what I want. That's what I don't have in my life. So at a secular university in my dorm room, I gave my life to Jesus because I was so jealous of the people who had a relationship with God. And I haven't been the same since. Jesus has transformed me. He continues to transform me to this day. And it was because these guys made disciples. They discipled me. So in my context of Christianity, how I see Christianity is you come to know these people who are followers of Jesus. They show you how to follow Jesus. They grab your hand and walk with you how to follow Jesus until they say, now that you follow me and follow God, I want you to grab somebody else. Because this is the mission of God. This is the purpose of your life. So the, the, the context of Christianity as going to Sunday mornings because it's the right thing to do is just not in my paradigm. I was actually introduced to that type of Christianity later on. And I was very confused because I was like, well, where are the people following Jesus? You know, it was all about let's get to the building and worship God and let's get out until we come back again. Obviously, that's not true for every church, obviously. But that was true for my experience. And I was very puzzled because I thought when you became a Christian, you started discipling other people. Right. Um, just a little more uh, history. I went to Indiana University. I helped start a Chi Alpha group as a grad student because it's what I knew how to do. It was my purpose of life. It's what I love doing. I wanted to make more disciples because someone made a disciple out of me. My job is to make more disciples. So we started Chi Alpha group at Indiana University. When I left, we had about 300, 400 students plugged in at a secular university worshiping Jesus in the middle of campus. A hundred Bible study leaders or um, just leaders were holding Bible studies all over campus. But most importantly, there were 100 students committed to make more disciples. Just because they saw what happened around them. This is not a 10-year process. This is not a five-year process. This is like a few months. Um, who's read the book of Matthew here? I think most of you probably, right? If not, it's a wonderful book. Please read it. It will change your life. If you read the book of Matthew... Wild guess, I think you can disciple about 250 million people in America. That's my wild guess. And I don't think I'm too, too wrong about that. Only if you read the book of Matthew. Because there's so much of Jesus' teaching in it. And there's so many people who don't follow Jesus. Even if they go to church, they don't follow Jesus. right? So please don't let, let it intimidate you. Any knowledge that you have that you pass on, I believe, is discipleship. Then the Lord called us to be Kaiafa directors at The Ohio State University. So that's where we're at. We're going to go to the next scripture. So it's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So let's go to 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. All right, I need a volunteer. Can someone read 2 Timothy 2.2? 2. 
Yes, please. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yes, thank you so much. What's your name? Jordan. Jordan, thank you so much for reading. All right, so we see four generations of disciples here, okay? Who's writing this letter to Timmy here? Paul. Paul is writing a letter to his dear disciple, Timmy. Timmy, I got to teach you these things. This is actually his second letter, so it's like, I know what happened after the first letter. I have more things to tell you. And this is something really important Timmy needed to know. So Paul tells to Timmy, what does he say? Yes, and trust to reliable people. So this is the third sort of generation, right? Paul tells Timothy, and trust reliable people who will be also qualified to teach others. So you see four people here, Paul teaching to Timothy that he needs to teach reliable people so that they can teach others. Right here, it's the lineage of discipleship. I believe this is how the church should look like. Pastor so-and-so telling executive pastor so-and-so, hey, would you choose this one person, Mark, so that Mark can teach these people? Because I don't have the time to do that. Someone needs to teach that one person. Does that make sense? When we're discipling people, although it is about Tim, right? Paul is thinking a lot about Tim because he's writing a letter to Tim and saying, you need to know these things. But Paul's heart is not just for Timmy. Paul's heart is for these guys too. When he's teaching Timmy, he's thinking about reliable people because these reliable people are very important. But beyond that, I think what Paul is really, really passionate about is actually others. Because others probably don't know Jesus. Others are probably worshiping other gods. They're going to temples. They're going to all kinds of bad stuff. And Paul's like, how can I get to these others? Paul does not have time to send all the letters to these people. And the most strategic way is to write to Timothy so that Timothy would find these reliable men so they can teach others. If we keep going with the lineage, these others would then become reliable men, right? And these reliable men hopefully become like Timmy. And I'm sure Timothy sent letters to other people. I believe that's how we win Ohio for Jesus. Wholeheartedly, that's how I believe. Because Pastor John Wooden cannot disciple how many people? 8 million, 10 million people in Ohio? How many people? 11 million. Pastor John can't do it. We can't do it in this room. We need to be Paul's, Timothy's, reliable men and others. Well, hopefully you're not others. <laughs> but we need to find these others, right? So, I think in Ohio we've been talking a lot about discipleship already, which makes me really, really happy. And there's a lot of conversation about discipleship. But how to make your first disciple. I feel like that's like a very difficult step to take, you know. It's like I, I, I get asked that all the time. Like, yeah, I understand. I read all these books. I read all the passages. I'm sure you've read these before. Someone has talked to you about these. But how do I actually make a disciple? That's a really, really good um, question. So what I want to do is uh, an exercise, okay? Um, before we get to how can I make a disciple, I want to brainstorm what an ideal disciple looks like, okay? So we want to know what the end goal is. So from others, how they become Paul, essentially, right? So um, an ideal disciple, let's just brainstorm. Someone who 
is a disciple is, is what? Followers, yes. Is a follower. What else? Yes. Yes. Hopefully Christian. That's a good goal. That they believe in Jesus Christ. Ooh, some en- encounter with Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Oh, yes, teachable. Very good. Very good. Teachable. Yes? Oh, sorry. I thought you said something. <laughs> Anybody else? Hungry. Yeah, very good. Reliable. Yeah, very good. Committed. Very good. Yes. Yes. Discipline. Discipline, yes. There's like 150 of these, so we gotta come on. Patient. Patient, yeah, very good. Willing. Willing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Obedient. Obedient. Oh, praise God, yes. A disciple of Jesus is an obedient person. A disobedient person is not a disciple of Jesus. Anybody else? Holy Spirit, yes. Holy Spirit filled. Filled. Very important. Yes. They know the Word of God. Loving. Very good. Approachable. Kind. Kind, yes. Available. Oh, Chi Alpha terminology here. Diligent. Uh, discipline, maybe. That's good. Sorry. Bold. Yes, bold. With an O, right? Yes. Oh, the delay reaction. I thought it wasn't a good joke. I'm sorry. Humble. Humble. Yes, very good. Humble. Brave. Yes. Um, let's say good listener, yeah? Leader, yeah, very good. Phys- physically fit, maybe. <laughs> Self control. Um, let's just say all the fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah, good. Let's get a little AG for a moment. An AG disciple. Sanctified, Sanctified yeah. Yeah, that's good. Believes the 16th fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, this is the Word of God, right? And yeah, <laughs> studies the Word of God. Yeah, that's essentially it. Uh, theologically robust, right? Assemblies of God. Say it again. In the Word. 
In the Word, yes. Studies the Word of God. Yeah, very good. What's Assemblies of God like? What's, what are we passionate about? Mission. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Loves missions. Good. Yes, yes, active prayer life. Very good. Amazing. Giver. Yes, very good. Huh? Not just tithing, right? 10% is the Old Testament. New Testament is like 35 probably, right? <laughs> the more the better. Some of, some of my guys are like, hey, Kenji, so is it like after tax or before tax? And I said, whichever is bigger, okay? Anybody else? Doers. Doers. Yeah, doers of the word. And so they don't deceive themselves, right? Pastor James. Anybody else? Yes, accountable. Very good. Amazing. All right, we'll fill the, the whole thing, so let's stop right here. And there's a lot more, so this is, this is probably half of it, to be honest. There's more and more. So this is the ideal disciple. Someone who follows Jesus, hopefully, is all of this, right? And I think we are naive to think that the pulpit teaches all of this, right? Um, I think we, like, I don't know. Right here, we spend like a whole month, a month and a half in a year, <laughs> right? And there's another like three months around here. And it's like we hit like four things in the year, five things from the pulpit. Well, there's so much and so many people. What about if they miss the sermon about this one, you know? Or they miss the sermon about prayer. I don't know when the next time pastor's going to preach about prayer, you know? So how do we make an ideal disciple? Is by making... An ideal disciple yourselves, ourselves, right? So, how do you make a first disciple? You gotta think, how can I make somebody do these things? How can I help them teach? Because this is all Jesus right here. He encompasses all of this. How can we teach people how to follow Jesus and these characteristics? How can we birth them in it, right? Um, so that's what we're gonna learn how to do. And before I get there, um, there's a few things I want to say. Um, it's not hard to share good news, by the way. So preaching the gospel is not that difficult because good news should be amazing news, right? If someone survived a car accident, you're not like, hey, um, they survived. It's like, yes, they survived a car accident. Like, it should be like, you should be screaming it. So good news is something that we need to know. And good news in Greek is evangelion. Evangelion. Everyone heard this word before? It's where evangelism comes from. Uh, in Spanish, gospel is uh, el evangelio, right? Evangelion is a Greek word that announces the arrival of a king. The good news is that we have a new king in town, and he's establishing his kingdom, right? So whenever the Christians, the, 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 the uh, gospel terrorists were, were saying, were screaming, evangelion, evangelion, they were thinking, is Rome, is going to, Rome is going to be overthrown, Right? We're having a new king, and they're very confused because it's like, wait, where is this new kingdom? And Jesus comes and says, the kingdom of God is in your hearts. What we're proclaiming is the good news that a new king has arrived in town, and he's about to reign. 
He's about to build a new country, a new kingdom. And we're all going to be following this King Jesus. Making disciples is telling them what the gospel is, what the good news is. And the good news is that the new king will come and teach you all these things. He will transform you from the inside out. These are actually fruit, you know, of, of the Holy Spirit. All of this is, an, uh, what is it called, a uh, product of your relationship with God. But the thing is, these things are not seen because we're not purposeful in teaching the new ways of the king, King Jesus. So a good question to ask to a disciple is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And see what they say. Uh, with a lot of my guys, I start my one-on-ones, my meeting with, okay, tell me what the gospel is. And I was, I'm really intrigued about what they say. There's a lot of in- interesting things that people say about the gospel. Uh, another thing to remind ourselves is that love and laughter plow hard hearts. So whenever you're making a disciple, um, remember that they need to feel loved. And a lot of laughter helps. It goes a long way. Um, because if you're always serious, you know, it's just going to be really difficult. Um, and I think with the same Kai Alpha is what God has done in you, he will do through you. So if these things are not true in you, right, how can you teach them to others? So a call to make disciples is actually a very high calling. Because that means you're growing in all these areas. How can you teach somebody to be humble if you're not humble yourself, right? But God will do a work in you. And not just in you, he'll do through you. Your testimonies, not just I got saved and I prayed the prayer or whatever, but also I was a very prideful person and God has humbled me. I've learned humility. That's an incredible testimony. That is a good news. That is a new king coming in town, changing you, transforming you, making you a citizen of the kingdom of God. But it doesn't stop there. Then you can teach others about your humility, about your discipline, about, you know, how he um, transformed you from a moral person to a moral person. Um, let's skip this one for now. Um, let's go to this thing called the Ingle Scale. Anyone seen this Ingle Scale thing before? Some of you? Ooh, SU students, no? Okay. All right. <laughs> so Ingle Scale is this person, Ingle. Um, I don't know him, but I think he's really smart. Um, so he had this scale where it's like, Number zero, a disciple is born, right? A disciple is born. So this is when people get saved. And I feel like this is what we focus so much on. Like, we want people to get saved. Let's win one more to Jesus, you know? Which is an incredible miracle that only God can do. It's worthy to celebrate. Angels in heaven celebrate this moment, right? But for someone to get here, sometimes you need to bring them from, like, this really far away where they're only aware of the supernatural, right? Or... They're only aware of the existence of Christianity, you know. Um, some people are only positive about the gospel. They don't actually believe in it, right? So as you get closer and closer, you get to repentance and faith, and then someone gets saved, right? Another problem is that we stop right here, too. We don't go all the way here. So there's, like, initiation to the church, growth in Christian character, which is that, right? Christian lifestyle, prayer, openness, um, Openness to others, effective sharing of faith and life. I would say plus 11 would be making a new disciple. I think that's uh, Mr. Engel missed it, right? We want to get them to plus 11. So I want to encourage you with this thing because a lot of times we think that discipleship 
right? When you're making a disciple, it's very daunting because you find a non-believer right here and your job is to get them all the way here. And it's very daunting. They, I mean, they barely know who Jesus is. You got to teach them all these things. Somehow they get saved and then all the way here, right? That's a very daunting task. It is possible. I've seen it happen. Some people have the blessing to be able to bring all these people here. But if you remember in the letter to the church of Corinth, Paul says something like, some people water, some people plant, some people harvest, right? Discipleship is not just about getting someone saved. It's not just about teaching them how to make more disciples. It's also bringing them from here to right here. That's discipleship too. And sometimes we, we think that discipleship is only for Christians. That's a lie from the enemy. <laughs> discipleship is for everybody. And if you bring someone from here to here, hallelujah, praise God, right? Some people get the privilege to find someone here and they bring them right here. And it's like, yes, I saw someone get saved, you know. But you don't know who brought this person from here to here. And this person is very discouraged because they're like, I did so much work and I didn't see them get saved. But then later on, someone else comes in and brings them here, right? And maybe another person brings that person all the way here. Your job is to do all of these things, right? We don't want to just see, see people get saved, which is wonderful. But we want to see the person who goes to the strip clubs not go to strip clubs anymore. That's a huge win we should celebrate. I think in the church we only celebrate here. And that's a little sad to me, which is, this is great, you know. But if we only celebrate here and we don't celebrate any of this right here, it's like there's very little celebration. I think we should be so excited when we see any movement from here to here or even from here to here. I think this should be the most celebrated. Someone made a disciple. Like that, that, things are actually moving forward in the discipleship lineage, right? So please don't be discouraged if you don't see someone get saved or anything like that. Any discipleship, I believe, is success. Unless you're a false teacher, because <laughs> you're bringing those people backwards. Please, if you're a false teacher, please get out right now. <laughs> but as long as you're following Jesus genuinely, even if you've only read the book of Matthew, if you're teaching the book of Matthew to somebody, you're moving them down here, right? Please, celebrate every win. That also means that I hope that you have people discipling your people, discipling people right here, right here, right here, right here. And right here. I think our tendency is to find this person right here. Where is the almost Christian person? Because I want to I get them saved. <laughs> I think this is like the sort of the easiest job here. All you have to do is like pray <laughs> the prayer. You're going to get saved, you know. But I hope you also find the person here. And this person is probably the most tricky one. This person goes to church, professes faith has probably getting, gotten baptized and all these things. But they don't know how to make disciples. They don't know how to follow Jesus. And I, I may be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people in the church are right here. There's so many people that need to be brought all the way down. And this is where you come in. This is where you bring somebody into, into someone who makes more disciples. But in order to do that, you have to have the mindset that you're making not just a disciple, but you're making a disciple who's making more disciples and more disciples and more disciples. Yeah? Does this make sense? Yes? Okay. Praise God.
Um, so, first disciple. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Um, before I start, because I have some things to share. Um, what's, what's like your feel? Just on, let's, let's be honest here, right? We're all honest here. What's your fear? Why wouldn't you make a disciple? What's so difficult about making a disciple? I just want to hear honest thoughts. Rejection. Yeah, that's hard. Insecurity, not having all the answers, yeah. How you, How you present it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Giving wrong answers, yes. Not enough time with them. Yeah, that's true. Yes, very good. Any anything else? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Very good. That's true. Yeah. Anything else? Mm. Knowing how to do all the stages, mm -hmm. yeah, it's very good. Yeah. You know, some some people are really good at moving people from here to here. Other people are really good at moving people from here to here. So there's different giftings. I think when I when when I think about like different talents and giftings in the church, this is what it makes me think of. You know, it's like, man, you should talk to this guy because he's really good at this. You know, but I think we should also be holistic and you know, our discipleship, right? So we're not only doing the easy part that you're really good at, but also the difficult parts. Too. Anything else? It's hard to discern where they're at they're even mm, Discerning where they're at here even, right? Very good. Yeah. Great. That's amazing because those are all easy fixes. <laughs> Making a disciple is not that difficult. And I want to encourage you with that. It's really not that difficult. Um, I think... For me, the first one that I hear is like, before I get to reading Matthew, like how do I get somebody to sit down with me and read the book of Matthew? Okay, I have my answers, but let's brainstorm here. Um, I need a random name. Some random name. I need. I can't. Call. Micah. Okay, my son. <laughs> okay, so Micah is right here, right? Let's say Micah. Oh man, where do you want him? Um, he's like somewhere here, right? He's like sort of positive to the gospel. We call them persons of peace. You know, they're not angry at you for being a Christian. They're like, sort of like, I want to know a little bit more. So Micah needs to know the gospel. He needs to be saved. And he needs to learn how to read the Bible. So how do we get Micah to sit down with you and say, let's read the word of God together? What's the most natural way to get there? Yes. Let's get something to eat. I believe the Lord made three meals for the day so that you could eat together. <laughs> and he made them morning and evening because when you're at your job, it's really hard to get breakfast. But you can have, I mean, uh, lunch. But you can get breakfast. You can get dinner. You know, you can get coffee. He invented something incredible called coffee so that we could have coffee with other people. Right. Yeah. How do you get somebody to get coffee with you? And you ask them, you invite them, you know. How do you, how do you guys make friends? You talk to them, you introduce, introduce yourselves, right? Honestly, I don't think it's that weird if, like, you introduce yourself and after 10 minutes it's like, hey, can I have your phone number? Uh, let's, go, let's go get some coffee. I don't think that's that weird. This, we're getting, entering into a really strange, like, isolation type of world. So maybe it's a little bit. 
But I personally don't, if someone asks me to go grab coffee, I want to grab coffee, you know? So how do you make, a, your, make your first disciple? You introduce yourself. <laughs> you ask them to grab coffee with you. Okay, so we're now, Micah said, yes, I'd love to grab some coffee. All right, we're at the coffee shop. What do we do? Our goal is for Micah to start reading the book of Matthew together. This is the first time you have coffee with them. What do you do? Yes. Yeah, you want to get to know each other, right? Yeah. I want to get to know all of you because I'm sure you have great stories, great testimonies, great interesting, funny stories. I want to laugh with you. I want to get to know what's like important to you, right? Like simple questions like that are really good. Um, what, was, what was it growing up like, you know? And this is not like an interview. This is like you care about this person, <laughs> right? So before we do... Um, the coffee and everything, you need to find Micah. But before you find Micah, you actually need to pray and fast. It's so simple, but we don't do it. I've heard many people who have told me, oh, how, like, how, like they say, how do I make a disciple? It's like, have you prayed and fast, fasted that the Lord will bring someone to you? And it happens. Um, my brother Seth here, you know, we're going through discipleship together, and just the situation is a little unique because he's doing a practicum as an SU student with Chi Alpha. And we said, well, how can we find somebody? So we prayed and fasted, and the Lord brought somebody. He was incredible. His name is Sam. Uh, I'm very jealous of Seth because I'm letting Seth disciple Sam. He's like all of me. He's Latino. He loves music. He's all, you know, he loves all the things I love. But Seth is supposed to learn how to disciple somebody. The, broad, the Lord brought Seth, I mean, Sam to Seth. And it, Sam is like the easiest guy to disciple. Like he just, he like throws his life on you. You know, he, he wants to get to know you. So he does your, his job for you. You know, he, we gave him a Bible and he was like grabbing his, the, the new Bible that he got. He's like, oh, it's like an old friend I hadn't seen in a long while. Like he wants to read his Bible. Like it's so easy. But we prayed and we fasted because we wanted to disciple somebody. So when you pray and you fast, Jesus brings Micah to you. But more importantly, Jesus starts opening your eyes so you can find Micah. It's not just that the Lord brings it to you. You are searching your Micah, right? Okay. So Micah has now shared your, his life to you. And he's, you know, I don't know. We had a successful coffee day. What do we do next so that we can read Matthew together? Schedule another meeting. Yeah, maybe another two or three, right? I think it's a little strange to be like, I don't know, bait and switch. And it's like, all right, you're going to read Matthew with me. <laughs> they're probably going to get up and leave, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially if they're right here. If they're right here, maybe it's a little easier. But if they're right here, it's like, no, well, I don't know. I thought you wanted just coffee, right? But when you're talking to this person the second time, the third time, the fourth time, and you're sharing your life, hopefully there's enough Jesus in you that Jesus starts coming out of you, you know? And it's like, you pa I mean, if you ask Micah, what's your passions? And Micah asks you, what's your passion? It's like, I love reading the Bible. I, I love spending time with Jesus. I also love soccer. I also love, you know, reading this or whatever. You're not just a, a Jesus weird person. You know, you're like a normal person who loves other things. You can relate to Micah. You know, another thing that I say a lot is um, become all things to all people. This is like my mantra. Okay. 
if Micah is into heavy lifting, you will find me in the gym. Because <laughs> I want to know why Micah is so interested in heavy lifting. There was actually a guy named Chris Anderson. He was like super buffed. And I found him. And the Lord told me to disciple him. And I had nothing in common. I mean, I was searching and searching. It was just the opposite person. But he loved um, weightlifting. So I said, Lord, I've never lifted weights. But here I go. And now I'm in the gym because I love heavy lifting because Chris Anderson taught me how to do it. And it's like super fun. You should go to the gym. It's super fun. Um, but you got to become all things to all people, right? Uh, you don't want to be fake. You want to be genuine. But you want to be interested in some of the things that, that you can relate to. Or find something you're already passionate about so that you can find commonality, right? So Micah finds that you kind of like love Jesus, right? Hopefully that's apparent. So then what happens next? This can be like the trickier part, but let's brainstorm. What can you do so that you sit down with him and read Matthew? Yes. Have you read the Bible before? That's a great question to ask, right? You know who Jesus is? Yes. Do you have a Bible? Yeah. Oh, man. If you buy them a Bible, they'll probably read it. And buy them, like, a nice one. Like, you know, you remember 35%? You should be part of that 35% you give to the Lord. It's like a, you know, $50 Bible. Like, I bought this for you. Because this is the words of God, and there's life in it. I find life in it, and it's very important to me. I want you to have this Bible. I promise you they're going to be at least intrigued. Especially when they find that it's 50 bucks. And not the Gideon little $2 one. Right? Acts of kindness, right? If the Lord is kind, you want to be kind too. If he's generous, you want to be generous too. You're discipling already, Micah. When you're giving that $50 Bible, you're actually discipling them. Because when Micah gets saved and he gets um, to plus 11, right? What is he most likely going to do with his new disciple? He's probably going to buy a $50 Bible. That's usually what happens, right? Okay, so you buy them a $50 Bible. What do you do next? Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on the third coffee day with Micah, Micah says, my wife is pregnant. She's doing a month. What do you do? A gift. Yeah. Maybe set up a meal, meal train, right? Maybe with church members so they know, oh, my gosh, this church people just came and brought a lot of food, right? When we take interest in somebody. And uh, by the way, you don't pray just in the beginning and fast in the beginning. You pray throughout the whole process. And when you're praying and praying for Micah, we're like actually praying and praying for Micah. Everything that Micah says to you, it like sticks in your brain. Oh, that's an opportunity. Oh, that's an opportunity. Because the Lord just like, you know the uh, Spider-Man hairs? You know, it's kind of like that. Oh, it's an opportunity to serve Micah. Oh, that's another thing I can do. Right? Okay. So Micah has, has the Bible. What, how, how do you get him to sit down and read Matthew together? He's a simple, ask, do you want to read Matthew together? <laughs> I think it's that simple. 
And I mean, I know that someone said rejection is hard. Some people will reject you. And that's why you go and find many people to try to disciple. You don't try it for one person. Jesus had 12, you know. I think 12 is like the son of God can do 12. <laughs> that's a lot of people. But you want to cast a wide net so you can. We're fishers of men. Uh, I don't know if you remember when they fished, they fished with nets. It wasn't one little thing. Oh, I didn't get it. It was like, you know, casting out huge nets so you can get as many as you can. And sometimes you fish, sometimes you miss. But if you cast a wide net, you get a lot of people. And if you get a lot of people, you get them all over the place too. Yeah. All right. Hopefully Micah says yes. You start reading Matthew together, right? Um, and this part, it's just like a lot of Holy Spirit, a lot of, I don't know. A lot of people ask me, what's your curric curriculum? I, ask, I, I get asked that like all the time. I need Caiaphas curriculum. And I'm like, it's right here. <laughs> and it's right here. <laughs> you know, like, if I love Micah, whew, I'm going to get it. Oh, man. If I love Micah, I want him to be all of these things. Right? If he's impatient, the Lord is not in him. The kingdom of God is not establishing him. King is not reigning if he's impatient. So I need to get him to be patient. And also like the, the joy of being patient, especially as a parent now that I'm parenting. Man, what a blessing it is to have the, to have the patience of the Lord. And the most patient in this whole universe is Jesus Christ. He's God the Father. He's so patient with all of us. If we focus on his character, of who he is, we want other people to be like that, right? In your conversations with Micah, you see that he's impatient. You're going to find all the scriptures possible about patience because you want Micah to learn how to be patient, right? And, I mean, we have so many things here. Um, one thing I didn't write here, we didn't write, was someone who is a disciple of Jesus, they fast, you know? So that's a simple question. You know, Micah, have you ever fasted before? You know what that means. And you go through all the scriptures, right? What scriptures come to your mind? Fasting. When we fast. When we fast, not if. Very good. Another one is like, don't be like the hypocrites who tell the whole world, right? Don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing, right? All those things, you start teaching them, and you actually fast together, and you see what kinds of blessings come from fasting, because it's a powerful spiritual reality that he's as the Lord is asking us to do, right? Um, so, I wanted to show you my list, and here's the list that I came up with. This is actually our team in OSU, so it's very, actually, a lot of similar things, but they have a sense of purpose for the church. They understand why, go, why going to church matters, right? It's not just the right thing to do. Why do you go to church? They understand that they're citizens of the kingdom first. That comes as priority. Uh, they make disciples. They love Jesus. You know, hopefully it's obvious, but it's difficult to get someone to love Jesus, actually. Someone who knows the word, servant leader. They know how to articulate the gospel, you know. All these things. There's a lot of world missions, good financial steward. So then I categorized these things into um, what, I, what we called up, in, and out. Okay? So up, how long do I have? 
Oh my gosh. Oh no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Twelve thirty. Okay. So up is your relationship with God, right? So that's you know, um, they know that Jesus is the answer for everything. They understand true worship, you know. Um, the willingness to surrender. It's like their relationship with God. So um, a lot of these things are your relationship with God too, you know. So you want to disciple people to be good followers of Jesus who love the Lord. But you also want to teach them in. So up is right here. In is us, the body of Christ. It's brothers and sisters, right? So that's someone who makes disciples, gives generously to the church, is passionate about diversity. So, you know, we make voices, you know, um, count in our church. Uh, he's a prayer warrior for a brother and a sister, you know. Uh, actually, it's very important. They know how to have fun. You know, that's discipleable. Fun is discipleable. You can disciple people how to have fun. Some people don't know how to have fun. Just as much as they don't know how to be good financial stewards, they don't know how to have fun. And when you have fun together, anyways, yeah, you get it. Spirit-empowered, you know, you want the body of Christ to, you know, be baptized in the Holy Spirit with all power, right? Other learners, you know, stuff like that. And then we have out. This is sort of the last uh, goal. Out is non-believers. Out is to the world, right? So they have a sense of purpose for the church. The church is to bring the, the, the lost to uh, knowing um, salvation of Jesus, right? They love world missions. They love cross-cultural cross -cultural missions. They have boldness to step into uncomfortability, evangelism. Um, also, they know how to have fun <laughs> with non-believers, right? Okay, so the problem in the church is that sometimes we only think about up, or sometimes we only think about in, or sometimes we only think about out, right? Um, and whenever we only have like up and in, for example, I call it the constipated Christian, you know? Because they're not going out. They're not trying to find people. They're just gaining a lot of knowledge, having a lot of fun with brothers and sisters, but I'm not going to share this with anybody else. That's not right. So when we disciple people, we can't disciple only up and in. Disciple out. Someone who is in and out, they're a social service idolater. So they love brothers and sisters. They love loving the community, but they don't have any relationship with God. So they love like the socially right things, right? And then out and up is like the super evangelist, the person who doesn't disciple. All they care about is their relationship with God and the non-believers. They don't care about brothers and sisters. Friends, it should not be so. We should disciple people how to have up, how to have in, and how to have out. Okay. We have about, let's do a five-minute exercise, and we'll do into, go into a Q&A. So, um, let's say that we are more on the Ingo scale, um, something like six or five or somewhere here. Like they're growing in understanding of the faith, right? And let's just pick one of these. Um, someone pick for me. Which one do we want to work on? Follower. Follower. Okay, follower right here. So this person doesn't follow Jesus. Micah doesn't follow Jesus. He's just a Christian. I sometimes differentiate Christian and follower of Jesus. Christian is like someone who believes in God. Follower of Jesus actually is walking with Jesus, right? I think there's a difference. But how do we get Micah to follow Jesus? You identify Micah is not following Jesus. What do you do? 
Yes. How do you live? Good. <laughs> you live good? Yeah. Follower has a lot to do with all these things, right? So follower also means Jesus has invited you to do something with him, right? So you got to ask certain things to Micah. What can you ask to know if, whether he's following Jesus or not? Let's say Micah, again, is right here. So I need another name. Nori. Nori. Okay. Nori. <laughs> another children of mine. <laughs> Nori's here, right? And Nori's like, he goes, she goes to church, you know, every Sunday, right? But you don't know if she's following Jesus. What questions can you ask Nori? Again, you do the same thing. What? Yes, very easy question. How's your prayer? Nori, how's your prayer life, you know? The classic answer is, oh, I can get better, right? Have you heard that one before? <laughs> I need to get better. What do you say to that? What does that look like? Why does it need to be better? And how was it before, right? And hopefully Nori says, well, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> if she's honest, probably she doesn't know how to pray, right? So how do you teach someone to pray? Yes. Show them. Yes, very good. Another thing we think Alpha is, um, I do, you watch. I forget the other one, but it's like you do, I watch, and then you do, <laughs> right? But essentially, you want to be an example of, of, of how to do something, right? But how else can you teach somebody to pray? Yes, go through the Lord's Prayer. Like Jesus taught his disciples. He was discipling his disciples. He said, this is how you should pray. I mean, literally, he went through that. We should do the same. I mean, we got a great curriculum, you know, in Matthew 6. Let's go through the curriculum. Very good. How else do we get someone to follow Jesus? Yes, what's Jesus teaching you right now? You know, if she's somewhere here, she's like, I don't know what she's teaching me, right? So then what do you do? Yeah, give them something to read, yeah. Um, yeah, the Bible is great, and you should go there straight. But, you know, you can read some books about prayer, you know, some good C.S. Lewis, you know, or A.W. Tozer, or all the old dead guys, you know, those are good. Yeah, right? Very good, yeah. Let's choose another one. Available, yes. So Nori is not very, she, she, she's like here, but she just goes to church on Sunday. She's not available. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You invite them. She's probably going to say no because she's not available. So then you ask again, you know. Or you go to her, right? You find out where she's at. So like, oh, you know, there was a word called incarnation incarnation is Jesus coming to earth, you know. Jesus was a missionary. He wasn't just from the universe or wherever he's at. He's like, come to me. He came to us, right? Emmanuel is God with us, and he's asking us to do the same. We should go. If Inori has a baseball game somehow, I'm going to go to their baseball game because I've been praying and fasting for Inori. I want her to be available, right? Uh, let's do one more. Mm, understanding that they're not perfect. Yes, very good. Yeah. So if someone, you, you know, there's somewhere here, obviously, and they're like, Kenji, I don't, 
I don't think I'm struggling with anything. What do you do? Because that actually comes up often. What do you do? Yeah, very good. You become vulnerable. You tell them, this is what I'm going through. This is hard. Man, this is how I sinned the other day, and I had to ask for forgiveness. Hopefully, you're in life enough with Nori that you make a mistake and you have to apologize, you know? Because we're imperfect. I, need, I hurt people all the time. But the Lord forgave me. He's asking me to apologize. If he's my Lord and he, I'm following him, I need to do the same, right? Does this make sense? Love people. Have a lot, bunch of coffees, meals, dinners, lunch. Go to their baseball games. Go to whatever they're at. Get to know them. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And he'll slowly um, show you how to get somebody to become this, right? Um, it's a shame that I only have one hour with you. I wish I had one year with you. Because that's how long it takes, you know. But uh, we have ten minutes. Um, any Q&As? Any questions? What's the first step for you? Very good question. I think your first step is to find somebody and get to know them so you find where they're at here, right? Start praying, start fasting, that the Lord will bring somebody, that the Lord will open your eyes. And I challenge you to find people here in your church. Um, another thing about discipleship is like, you don't come and say, hey, I'm going, you know, introduce yourself. I'm going to disciple you from now on, you know. Like, that's very weird, you know. <laughs> um, I am hesitant to say I'm discipling Seth or he's my disciple because it sounds too official, too, I don't know. It's like a hierarchy and stuff like that. We're just following Jesus together, you know. Um, I, I bet you there's so many people in your church that are here that are honestly, their spirit are hungry, begging somebody to come to their lives and teach them how to follow Jesus. And as long as you've read the book of Matthew, you're good to go. <laughs> I'm sure you've read more than that, right? Find that person in, in the pews. Then you shake someone's hand and say, hey, how are you doing? The next week, hey, how are you doing again? You want to grab some coffee? Start from there, you know. A month and a half in, if you're praying and fasting, you'll find yourself reading Matthew with that person. I, that's, I truly believe that. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. This is not like a coach, life coach thing, right? This is a miracle that happens while Jesus uses you, right? And also people don't just want to learn how to follow Jesus through you. It's a miracle when, some, when the Lord births a desire for someone to say, you know what, I need to follow Jesus. That's something you can't do. You can't convince them. You can't, oh, don't hit anybody, okay? <laughs> but like, you can't hit anybody and say, like, you got to follow Jesus. It's a lot of gentleness, a lot of prayer, a lot of the Lord moving, you know? You know those Holy Spirit moments where the Holy Spirit's moving in a service, right? That type of power and passion needs to be in your prayer for somebody to be discipled, for you to find a disciple, Yeah.
Any other thoughts, comments? I have yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of them here is like, you know, they need to be baptized in water. Um, a lot of the times the Chi Alpha pastor doesn't baptize a lot of people. We let our leaders baptize them because those are the people who disciple them. And it's so meaningful when the person who who, who discipled you baptizes you. Because the pastor is usually someone they don't have a lot of relationship with. But the one friend who helped them come to know Jesus baptizes you. Like I was baptized by Jacob who is not a pastor. He's not even a missionary. He was just my Bible study leader. And I said, I want Jacob to baptize me. That gives Jacob so much like, I don't know, like ownership and like um, responsibility to keep helping me. But I also know like now I'm commissioned to baptize other people. Jesus didn't, didn't say priests and pastors and evangelists go and baptize people. He said, you who are a disciple maker, all of you, go baptize people in water. So obviously, you know, their churches have different like rules and stuff like that. So maybe you're not able to. Um, but my favorite thing is when one of my disciples decide, you know, baptize somebody else and not me. So yes, very good question. A lot of people got baptized in the Holy Spirit just one-on-one with me. So I actually had a lot of Baptist kids that came to me. And uh, we used to use this curriculum with like 12 chapters, very short book. And I said, okay, next week, read this chapter. We'll talk about it. But Baptist kids, you know, they're, they want to read a lot, you know. So he read chapter 9, you know, and he called me. And I said, Kenji, I just read chapter 9. And I said, you did what? Because it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit chapter. <laughs> you know, he's like, I have a lot of questions, Kenji. He was like, oh, you're not supposed to. We were supposed to get there in a few weeks, okay? So we sit down. It's like, okay. It's like, Kenji, and he's a Baptist. He's like, if it's in the Bible, I want to know it's in the Bible, right? So we go through all the scriptures. And he says, Kenji, this is available for me? I say, yes. All you need to do is ask. He says, I want it right now. If this is true for me, I want it right now. And I said, okay, let's do it. So, I, I mean, the scripture says lay hands. So... I lay hands on him, and this Baptist kid starts, like, screaming in tongues. It was amazing. But here's the thing about that. Then he knows, oh, when someone needs to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I need to get someone to read chapter 9, <laughs> go through the scriptures, Kenji. I need to lay hands, and they're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened with my disciple. He started baptizing other people in the Holy Spirit. Well, not hit Jesus, does he? You know, praying for the baptism. It's wonderful. Yeah. I'll end with this. I believe the, the work um, of a pastor, of a leader, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Would you be equipped? Would you equip others like Timothy and the reliable men did so that other people would go and make more disciples? Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us a great example of how to have someone follow you. Teach somebody to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, that your commandment was to teach others what you've already taught us. I pray, Jesus, that we'll become great followers, that we will learn how to follow you, that, Lord Jesus, you would teach us, you would disciple us first, and, Father, that you would birth in all of us here a, a strong desire to disciple others because we love people, because we want to see the world won for you. We want Ohio won for you, Jesus, and it starts one disciple at a time. I pray, Lord Jesus, 
that you birth that desire in them. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the disciples that will be made from this room, that they will have a birth, a desire birth in them to make more disciples, Jesus, that it will be a chain reaction, Father. And that your kingdom will be established. Oh, King Jesus, would you come and reign over our hearts, our cities, our towns, our churches. That you would activate the members. You equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a strong anointing. I pray for a blessing, Lord Jesus, that they, they will go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all your commandments. And Jesus, your promise is that you will be with us till the end of the age. So I pray all these things in your name. Amen.